0: Welcome to the CMC Podcast, where our mission is to inspire you to be a doer of the Word. Today's message is brought to you by our associate pastor, Paul Kern. Welcome to church. Turn in your Bible with me or your Bible app to Luke chapter 18. This is where we're going to be reading out of. We're going to be talking about the Pharisee and the tax collector. We're talking about the kingdom of God this year. Jesus taught so much about the kingdom by Uh, using parables to illustrate the kingdom because once again the kingdom is spiritual and so we have to have some way to um, Really connect with that right to understand that so Jesus would often use parables When he spoke and when he talked so in Luke chapter 18 starting in verse 9 It says Jesus taught this parable to those who were convinced they were morally upright and to those who trusted in their own virtue, yet looked down on others in disgust. So two men went into the temple to pray. One was a proud religious leader, the other a despised tax collector. Now, right there with that despised tax collector, okay, because we don't really think of tax collectors as being despised in our day and time. As a matter of fact, we appreciate our you know, the the fact that we are able to pay our taxes because they help pave roads and they help meet the needs of our community and, and our state. And so, I mean, that's an important thing. But the issue here was <laughs> with this particular type of tax collector, okay, and we're going to talk a little bit about him, but, you know, probably something that you could put there that you could more identify with would be a despised drug addict or a despised prostitute or a despised thief or a despised criminal that that helps us identify a little bit better with with what we're talking about here because you know it's hard for us to think in those terms of you know a despised tax collector so this religious leader he stood apart from the others and he prayed how I thank you, oh God, that I'm not wicked like, like everyone else. Now, I did, I just, it's hard for me to get through this because it's comical uh, in a way. It's sad, but it's comical. And I just, I'm laughing at this guy that Jesus is using as an illustration just because I, I thank you, God, that I'm not wicked like everyone else. Okay, that's good. They are cheaters. You know, he's pointing his finger. They're cheaters. They're swindlers. They're crooks. Mm. Like that tax collector over there. Now, he's in church. He's in the temple. So this tax collector comes in. He's calling this guy out right in front of everybody. He's just pointing at him. God, you know that I never cheat or commit adultery. I fast from food twice a week. I give you a tenth of all I earn. So the tax collector stood alone in a corner. He was away from the holy place. He wasn't even in the area where the altar was. He's out in the outer area, of the, like in the foyer, right? Like in our building. He's in the foyer. And he covered his face in his hands, feeling that he was unworthy even to look up to God. And he was beating his breast, and he sobbed with brokenness and tears, saying, God, please, in your mercy and because of the blood sacrifice, forgive me, for I am nothing but the most miserable of all sinners. And then Jesus said, which one of them left for home that day reconciled to God? The humble tax collector, not the religious leader. And it says, for everyone who praises himself will one day be publicly humiliated, and everyone who humbles himself will one day be publicly honored and lifted up. So the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, it really has some powerful spiritual elements in it, some real spiritual truth that reveal what the kingdom of heaven is like. So once again, you know, the kingdom of heaven is an upside-down kingdom. It's completely opposite from, from our world. You know, our world says, you know, step on everybody to get to the top. Well, the kingdom of heaven says... The, the, the greatest shall be the least of these, right? So it's just, it's flipped. It's, it's a completely upside-down kingdom. And so this parable really has some real spiritual truth. As a matter of fact, it really contains the essence of the gospel. Really the, the, the essence, what the gospel is all about, what Christ came to reveal. So let's look at this. Two men, they go up to the temple to pray. Now, one you would expect to see there. The Pharisee, right? He's the religious person. You would expect to see him there. A tax collector, you would not expect to see in church. A prostitute, you would not expect to see in church. A drug addict, you would not expect to see in church. A thief, a criminal, a person like that, you would not expect to see walking through the doors of a temple, right? So it's already really kind of different. It's like, you know... I like how Jesus preached. You know, you can just see him challenging people's thinking. Now I watched this guy one time, a pastor out of Dallas, and he was doing a um, an interview. And this guy asked him. He said, "So, you know, if if some porn stars came into your church, would you talk to them?" And he said, "Well, absolutely." He said, "Well, would you would you spend?" A good amount of time with him? And he said, you bet I would. And then the guy said, well, I've got a couple of porn stars that want to talk to you. And I, and I have a, a podcast that I do, and I want to get you on this podcast. And he said, great. And it was a, it was a vlog, right? It wasn't just audio, it was video. And so this pastor got on this video podcast with these, this male and female porn star, and he met with them and talked with them, and it was the most awesome, most powerful thing you ever saw. It was so good. But for, for a lot of Christians, it's like, I'm not having anything to do with them. Those people are defiled. They're, they're nasty. They're gross. You know, they're not right. And so I'm not, I'm not going to have anything to do with them. And But I I love that this pastor met with him. It was so powerful. I thought it was such a beautiful example of what Christ would do. And and, and in that meeting, because they weren't even expecting him to meet, and in that meeting, he was able to share the gospel with them. He was able to share Jesus with them. And man, it was really powerful to watch what was happening with their hearts. And so we see the essence of the gospel. But, But not only that, it's a parable with a real twist, a twist that you really wouldn't expect because... Two men go up to the temple to pray, and you expect one to be there, but the other one you don't expect to be there. And the one that you don't expect to be there is the one that ended up being right, which is really a twist. As a matter of fact, the tax collector, you'd be even surprised that he would even show up. What are you you doing here? Because people really, really didn't view him well at all. He was a tax collector. He was considered a lowlife. He was considered someone that betrayed his people because, you know, they would often overcharge for taxes, and they would dishonestly pocket some of the money. And so they were very despised. So they both go up to pray, and in the end, one goes home right with God. And the surprise, it's the tax collector, not the religious leader. It's a real twist. How did this happen? Well, Jesus reveals in verse 9. Look at verse 9 with me. He talks about it right up front. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Now, this is a story about pride or humility before God. That's what this story is all about. And we really discover is that with Jesus and his kingdom, the way to be great is to become the least. The way to be great is to be the one who serves the most. So it's an upside-down kingdom. So let's look at this Pharisee first. So the Pharisees were known for looking religious in public. As a matter of fact, one of the things, have y'all ever heard the term, um, boy, they're tooting their own horn, have y'all ever heard that term? You know, don't toot your own horn. You know, sometimes I've told people, man, I'd pat you on the back with your hands in the way. (laughs) I I can't help you, right? You know, and so you toot your own horn. Well, when you toot your own horn, that means that you, you know, you're kind of showing off. You know, you're putting on display. Look at me, right? Well, where we got that term from was the Pharisees, when they would go out and give alms to the poor, they would blow a trumpet a horn so to speak so that everybody would hear they would all turn and look and they would go oh isn't he spiritual right and you know jesus Later on, he talks about, hey, they got the reward. People saw him. That's the only reward that you're going to get. And when Jesus was teaching about giving, remember, he said, don't let your left hand see what your right hand is doing. In other words, do it in secret. Don't announce it for everybody to see. You just bless somebody and give God all the credit and let God get the glory, and then God will reward you. So, you know, Pharisees were very religious, and they belonged to a religious sect of the Jews that went to unnecessary extremes trying to obey the law. And that's why he was naming all the things that he was doing. You know, I fast twice a week, I tithe, I, I, you know, I, I try to follow the law to the letter. And then we see him praying. And his prayer reveals a couple of things about him right off the bat. One, you know, his prayer is a, is a very self-serving attempt to tell God how righteous he was. In other words you know, look at me, God, I'm a, I'm a good guy, you know, I'm, I'm really good because I'm doing everything that you're telling me to do. So, so the first thing that we see is this, this Pharisee carries a measuring stick, you know, he, he's the type of person that's going to measure himself against everybody else. Now, the, the thing that we have to do as we're doing this, church, and, and you know, curl up your toes because I'm about to kind of come at you a little bit. It's really easy to read this and go, bad Pharisee, and say, I'm glad I'm not like that Pharisee, (laughs) right? Well, guess what you just became? The Pharisee. So, really, it's a setup by Jesus, even as we read it, it exposes this self-righteous disposition that all of us have to battle, we all have to fight this, every single one of us. And so this guy has his measuring stick, he's measuring himself against everybody else. And after offering this brief word of gratitude to God, he pulls out his measuring stick. And he's he, I'm not like other men. In fact, I'm way better. I'm way better than most men, is what he's saying. Isn't that what he's saying? I mean, I, I just couldn't believe that he was saying that. <laughs> And, and, and he measures himself against others. He especially measures himself against the tax collector because that makes him feel superior, right? I feel so much more spiritual than this guy because, well, he's this guy, right? But here's the thing. This is a really bad habit that we all do. And we have to be very, very careful that we don't do it. But we all do it. We all fall into this category. Oftentimes, too often, we compare ourselves to others. And in the end, it doesn't mean anything. Not anything at all. And I just want to encourage our church and our listeners not to make the mistake of comparing yourself with others and gaining confidence in that comparison. You know, it, I remember when I was lost. Okay, let me give you an example. I remember when I was lost. And I ran with a lot of not-so-good people. Um, and they weren't law enforcement. <laughs> they were the opposite, right? And so, I remember when I was drinking, And I would say, well, at least I'm not smoking pot. But it didn't take long before I started smoking pot, right? For those of you who don't know what pot is, it's marijuana. (laughs) Surely most everybody knows. Reefer, Mary Jane, whatever you want to call it. Depending on what circles you run with. (laughs) And so uh, I then I would say, well, at least I'm not. Snorting cocaine. I'm not those people. I'm not snorting stuff up my nose. I'm just breathing it into my lungs There's a big there's a big difference (laughs) All goes down the same, but it's a big difference, right? So I was morally superior to them The logic of that right, but then I remember meeting some people who were um and, you know, that's just how sin is. Sin's just progressive, right? It's addictive and progressive. And it's just where it leads you. It's just more and more and more. Well, so, you know, it went from snorting cocaine and, and snorting meth. Some of you are looking at me like, "He used to do all that? Yeah. Praise God, that guy's dead and buried. I really don't even identify with him anymore. But I think sometimes it's good to share where you come from. I'm not doing that to glorify the devil. I'm gl- doing it to glorify what God did in my life. And God did a lot. And I'm so thankful and grateful, right? It's... it's it's humbling. It's humbling. But, but, you know, you go from that to hanging around people who are shooting it up. And I'm thinking, well, I'll never do that. So, so even people who are not religious Pharisees do it. Because we all have this religious Pharisee in our hearts, it's in our carnal nature. And it's a bad habit, and we need to be self-aware because too often we compare ourselves to other people, but like I said, in the end, it doesn't mean anything. In fact, Jesus specifically warns us against this attitude at the beginning of the parable because when we try to justify ourselves by comparing ourselves to others, we na- listen, we naturally end up despising them, right? So the greatest commandment is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second greatest commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as your... Uh-oh. I don't see a lot of love happening right here. I see a lot of comparisons happening right here. But, but, and, and the other thing that comparisons to others cause is that we tend to justify our own, our, our own shortcomings, like I was doing when I was lost. Well, at least I'm not doing this. At least I'm not doing that. You know, how many times have we heard or have we thought, well, you know, I may be doing this, insert your compromise, but at least I'm not doing this, right? But the standard is God's righteousness, not other people's, right? That's the standard. The standard is God's righteousness. It's not our friend's righteousness. You know, it's not culture's righteousness, it has nothing to do with that. It's God's. And so the Pharisee here, he's, he's comparing himself. And so he was blinded by his pride. Secondly, this Pharisee, he kind of carries his resume around with him everywhere he goes. Notice how he rehearses what he has done. He says in verse 12, I fast twice a week. This is his resume before God. God, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. Well, I mean, isn't that good? Well, yeah, it's real good. I don't fast twice a week. Not every week. I don't fast twice a week. I fast things from time to time, but I don't fast twice a week. This guy's got me beat. I like to eat too much. And and yet he's boasting about what he's done. He is, as Jesus said, Trusting in himself for his own righteousness, right? And and it's striking that it's a man bragging about himself in prayer in the temple before God. (laughs) It's crazy. Does he know who he's talking to? I mean, the holy omnipotent God of the universe, he is bragging about his goodness I can you know, I can just picture the scene. You know, here's God in heaven. Here's this little guy down here. You know, he's like, you know, if, compared to the sands of the seashore, he's like a little grain of sand. And here he is down here. God! I'm so awesome! And I can just see God. Hey, Gabriel, Michael, come over and get a load of this. <laughs> this is really good. You know, clearly he's, more likely talking to himself than he is talking to God. And we're we're in a dangerous place if we're boasting in ourselves before God rather than confessing our sins before God. See, there's pride or there's humility. See, praying isn't about boasting in our righteousness. It's about boasting in his, right? Right? It's about thanking God that he imputed his righteousness to us. That's the difference. All right, let's go into this tax collector. There's this other man. He's a tax collector. And while the Pharisees' hands are full, the tax collector, his hands are empty. And even better, he knows it. Everything about him reveals repentance. Everything about him reveals repentance brokenness look at verse 13 but the tax collector stood at a distance and he dared he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed instead he beat his chest in sorrow saying oh God God be merciful to me I am a sinner see humility is seen through the posturing of his prayer right it's very evident it's very clear He stands far off because he knows his sin has separated him from God. He he won't even go in. He can't can't go in. He won't even go in there because of his sin. He's ashamed of his sin. He's ashamed of it. It bothers him. It grieves him. So he won't even lift his eyes to heaven. He won't even look up to heaven. He's looking down. And so this guy just continues to, to beat his chest to demonstrate his sorrow, God. I mean, it's it's, it's a real emotional story that Jesus is telling. He's painting a picture with words so as to see the condition of this man's heart. And this guy's crying out to God for mercy because he knows he's a sinner that desperately needs God's mercy. And see, that's our posture, right, church? We're sinners who desperately need God's mercy. That's the posture. And I mean, how different he is from the Pharisee. Instead of looking to himself for righteousness, this tax collector, he just pleads to God for mercies. He's, he's pleading because he knows that he has no righteousness in him at all. There's none. Even the way he pleads conveys his humility. Look, look at him. He, the, the plea for mercy, it's a cry for God's anger to be removed, for his righteousness and his grace to be applied. It's just this attitude of this man. We see this convicted sinner. He's in the temple, a very rare place for him to be, and he's humbled. His chest is red from pounding it over and over and over again in despair. His voice is hoarse from crying out to God. He's just crying out to God. His, his face is drenched with tears. His head is bowed. He, he's a man who is he's broken. See, he's a man who is self-aware. Because, see, when, when you come out of darkness, you know, I remember when this happened in my own life. When I came out of darkness, and oh, come on, keep it together. <clears throat> when I was lying in my bed in August of 1988 and Christ appeared to me, I identify, I get it. And, you know, we could go around the room and there's probably lots and lots of stories that we could tell. And the scripture says, he who has been forgiven much, loves much. And I think probably the level of your forgiveness determines the level of your humility. Because you recognize and you see where God has brought you from. Right? How he rescued you out of the pit out of the miry clay. And so this 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 tax collector he he exhibits precisely what Jesus was preaching about in the Sermon on the Mount in the Beatitudes. You know, that's that's the I mean that's the manifesto of the kingdom. And, and Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, being poor in spirit means that, that we are admitting that we have nothing to offer God to atone for our sins. We have nothing to offer. In other words, <laughs> you know, what? When God finds you, he finds you empty. He finds you impoverished. He finds you a beggar. He, he, he finds you bankrupt. And that's what he's talking about, spiritually poor, right? We, we, it's this attitude of, of humility. And so this tax collector, he recognizes his sinful condition, and he seeks the only thing that can bridge the gap. The only thing, the only thing that can bridge the gap. And that's God in the form of Christ. So Jesus concludes the story by telling us in verse 14. He says, This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Like I said, the Pharisees' hands are full, full of himself, full of his own righteous acts and deeds, and the tax collector's hands are empty. But it was the tax collector who went home justified. Wow, he was declared righteous in God's sight. What a twist. Nobody expected it, right? Especially in their day and time. Nobody would have expected it. So there can be a porn star sitting right there in that seat next to you, and they can be right with God, and you could have been in church for fifteen years serving as an usher, playing the piano, being in the are you hearing me? Preaching on the stage. It's all about the heart. It's not about the show. See, we, we can put on the show, but not with God. God sees all. God looks through the flesh. He looks through the makeup. He looks through the dress. He looks through the outward appearance. He looks through the acts of righteousness, and he sees the heart. God sees the heart, and I'm grateful that God sees the heart because when God shines his light on the heart, it reveals the darkness. And when the darkness is revealed, it's exposed. And when it's exposed, we can be set free. Free. Free from self-righteous attitudes, see. And then we can embrace our brothers and sisters in Christ. We can love them. Even in their brokenness. And then we don't judge them. And we don't think, boy... They're a big mess. I'm glad I'm not. Nah. Are we seeing this? See, we can't read over this and miss this because, because what can happen is, is you can read this as a Pharisee and you can walk away a Pharisee, and you can miss the whole point. And so, Jesus is wanting us to get the point. Nobody will ever be counted righteous in God's sight by trusting in himself, ever. The only way to stand righteous or perfect in God's sight is by trusting in the righteousness of another. And that's the guy that's telling the parable, Jesus. He's the only one. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, say that, Jesus Christ, say that, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, because what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. See, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. where we now stand. See, we now stand in a place of unreserved privilege. But you only stand in a place of unreserved, undeserved privilege when you're standing in Christ and putting your faith in Him. The moment that you step out and you get over here into Pharisee land, you have stepped out of a place and a position of privilege. Are we seeing this? And it says, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Wow. And then one last verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. It's humbling to realize that you have nothing to offer God. Nothing. Nothing, not the very best that you've ever done it is enough to offer God. It's, it, there's no self-sufficiency here. It is just absolute listen, I have, I, and I think this is a good thing to do. <laughs> it's, it's the only thing to do. I put all of my eggs in the basket of Jesus Christ. All of them. If, if when, I, when I stand up, you know, when we get at the pearly gates, and I don't know if Peter's going to be there or not. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say he is. I hadn't really ever found that in the Bible, but, you know, if he is, high five, right? What up? <laughs> and, and, and just a side note, you, you better have read his books because it's going to be really embarrassing when you show up in First Peter at the gate, and he's like, did you read my book? And you're like... I was getting around to it, (laughs) you know, that's not going to be good. But but anyway, you you, you know, you show up there, and here's the thing. There's only one person that is deserving of heaven. One. That's Jesus. So the only way that you're going to get in is if when God looks at you, like Colossians says, you're hidden in Christ. He sees Jesus because Jesus is the only one worthy of heaven. Nobody else is worthy of it. So all of my eggs are in the basket of Jesus and his righteousness. Not any, I mean, you know, not anything that Paul Kern has ever done, ever. It's all going to be all glory to God and, you know, I got emotional thinking back about my life. But you don't ever need to forget where you have been saved from. Ever. As a matter of fact, you need to remind yourself of that, especially when you get a little, hmm, right? (laughs) All that and some more, right? Just kind of let reality bring you back down to earth. You ain't all that much. You all right, but you're not Jesus, right? Yeah. So we put all of our eggs in the basket of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. Stand with me tonight. Let's pray together. Come on. Give God a hand clap. He's worthy. (laughs) let's, Let's pray as we close out. Father God, we our posture. Our posture. We bow our head. See, that's why we bow our head. We bow our head. That's our posture. And God, we say thank you. We're grateful. We're humbled by your love. We're humbled by your goodness. We're humbled by it, God. It's it's even hard to comprehend. I wouldn't ever have saved me. And so we're thankful tonight. And we're humble. And God, we're grateful. And so, Lord, let this be our heart's cry. Let this be our attitude. And as it is, Lord, may it affect how we treat and see other people. Forgive us, God, for a self righteous attitude. Forgive us for looking down and for comparing. And, Lord, help us just to celebrate your goodness, your righteousness, your purity, your holiness. It's all because of you, Jesus. We give you all the credit. We give you all the glory we never Never ever will take that from you. Because it's yours. So we give it all to you. Lord, tonight we love you. We ask that you go before us this week. God, use us. Help us to be a blessing to people that we come into contact with. And, Lord, may our relationship with you continue to go deeper and deeper and deeper. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the CMC Podcast. If you'd like to watch our sermons live or looking for more information about our church, visit cmcchurch.com or follow us on Facebook at Christian Ministries Church.